Amen. Thank you, dear brother. Glory to God. So we continue in Psalm 23. And I was thinking when I was preparing uh, for this sermon that, you know, this is a psalm that King David wrote where, you know, we're not too sure when exactly it was that he wrote this uh, psalm. One, one thing we do know about him is this, that he was grief-stricken. He was heartbroken. It may well have been the, the darkest hour of his life when he wrote Psalm 23. And what a contrast. In spite of the dark, it being the darkest moment of David's life, he paints a beautiful picture of God as our good and faithful shepherd who leads us by still waters and guides us into the way of peace. The Lord is indeed worthy of our worship and praise this morning because he is the one who upholds us and protects us, who blesses us and comforts us, who bountifully provides good things, everything that we need for this life. And he does all of that in the presence of our enemies. The picture that is painted in Psalm 23 is that of our faithful God, our merciful, gracious Savior, our good and caring shepherd who provides for us through all the changing seasons and all the turmoil that we face in our lives. Glory to his name this morning. In our sermon series so far, we've heard that God owns us, that the Lord protects us, that the Lord leads us, and today's title is The Lord Sustains Us. And if you've missed any of those sermons, they're on the website, please do tap into them. The Lord Sustains Us. I'm just going to read verse 5 again. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Church, we need God to sustain us in this life. Because first of all, we have a common enemy. In the book of James, it talks about the fact that the devil is a roaring lion waiting to devour. And you know, sometimes in terms of our fellowship, coming to church and getting to know other Christians and, and, and being part of a community, sometimes the enemy will sow seeds of doubt. Oh, you can't possibly go there. You're not good enough. You can't go into that meeting there because... Well, you're too dirty. God can't use you because you're too bad. You don't have any gifts. He is the accuser of the brethren. The enemy is a liar. 
There are no superstars in the church. There's only one. His name is Jesus Christ. He's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the chief cornerstone. And he is the head of the church. God's desire is that we believe in him and believe his words and the truth that he speaks about us, not the devil. God wants us to come to him as we are, warts and all, in penitence and humility. God desires for us to know that we, all of us, are of equal worth and value to God. God doesn't have any favorites. Amen. Amen. We need to know, we need God to sustain us also because, you know, sometimes people can become our enemies. You know, we live in a very civilized society. You know, we, we're very comfortable. We're not living in, in, in a war zone, are we, here in London? We're not living in a war zone, although sometimes you might think that when you're driving through, through London. Um, but you know what? If we are living authentic Christian lives and obedient to the Lord, we will have enemies. The reality is this, that some people will be drawn to the light in us, okay? But others will be repelled. And they'll hate us for who we are, for what we believe. And it's sad that much of Christendom here in the West is so preoccupied with being accepted by society and not offending society that often the church allows governments and the media to dictate what Christians really ought to stand for and believe. And that's sad. We need, we need to be praying into that. Whereas our Christian brothers and sisters in some countries are persecuted and thrown into prison and even put to death all because they dare to stand for God's truth or because they dare not to give in to the pressure of conformity. I was thinking if Jesus and his disciples had enemies, what makes us think that we're not going to have enemies? And on the subject of enemies, I, I remember uh, an enemy that I made at work a very long time ago. I used to uh, work for the prison service and uh, I remember the first unit that I was actually assigned to, there was a huge chap, six foot five, and his arms were as thick as my, my, um, <laughs> my thighs. <laughs> One or two of you have heard this before, but I thought I'd re- I must share it again. And uh, he walked past me, and he sniggered at me, and he started swearing at me. And my senior officer said to me, look, you better watch out for him. He doesn't like anyone who's not white, okay? And he was second in command of Combat 18, a very high-profile um, racist organization in this country. So every day I walked past him, he swore at me, he sneered at me, he sniggered at me. And I thought, oh, Lord, what do I do? There's so many different things I could do, but I'm not sure what to do. And I, I just prayed. And the Lord told me to just to reach out to him. 
And one day I came to work and he was shouting and he was banging, kicking his door, demanding a, demanding a toilet roll. And nobody was giving it to him. And the senior officer said, don't give him any attention, anybody. He's a waste of time. So I did the unthinkable. I went into the storeroom. I picked up a toilet roll. I opened the door. I held it out. He looked at me. I looked at him. And it was, you know, one of those awkward moments where nobody really knows what to say. <laughs> and he was just staring at me. And I was staring at him. And I was thinking, what's going to happen next? He was thinking, what's going to happen next? But he took the toilet roll. And then from that day, things really changed. You know, he asked me, why did you give me that toilet roll? And I basically had an opportunity, glory to God, to, to share the gospel. But what really made the difference for him, I noticed, was when he started meditating and learning the word of God and believing the word of God, the truth about who he really was. And the word of God changed that man so much that a few months later I, was, I went to the chapel to collect some of the, the lads who were on my unit. And he was there, right in the middle, surrounded by black prisoners, worshipping the Lord together with them. And God had changed his heart from this high-profile racist, you know, second-in-command of the whole organization to a brother in the Lord. Praise God. So God can change the heart of anyone through his word. God's word is precious and it's powerful. And the good news as we look in to the scripture this, this morning is that in spite of our enemies, God prepares a table for us. You know, we had communion this morning. This is, this is a celebration this, this is also a celebration of the future. In the first century, the church often took communion and they looked forward to the day when there would be a new heaven and a new earth and they would be celebrating Jesus' victory over evil and celebrating with him eternal life. God opens his arms for us. His table is open. I want you to think now about the sheep again. The sheep are grazing. They're grazing in a beautiful field. And they're enjoying being nourished. And there in the distance is the woods or the jungle, whichever continent you want to think about. And there's a roaring lion there waiting to devour, but not quite being able to devour. Why? Because they just look up and think, oh, it's only you. And in spite of that danger, they are safe, they are secure, because the shepherd is with them. And they have a good menu. And church, we have a great menu on offer at the table. The Holy Word of God, which is our lifeblood. It is spiritual food for our souls. The table is a place of feasting and nourishment. And God sustains us through scripture. Church, hold on to the word of God. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Only the Bible will give you stability in turbulent times. Only the Bible will give you the direction that you need 
when the world seems quite confused or confusing. Only the Bible will give you a hope for this life and for the afterlife. And we need to, as a community, wrestle with Scripture together in community and stand together. There's no such thing as a new revelation. You sometimes hear about the, a new revelation of Scripture here or there, you know, or a movement that is trying to, to, to bring something in, new, concerning key doctrine, doctrines or teachings of the church. That's like saying the Holy Spirit was asleep for the last 2,000 years and suddenly woke up to reveal a new truth. God doesn't work like that. The Holy Spirit hasn't been asleep for 2,000 years and now suddenly people are waking up and thinking, oh, that's what it really meant. Church, let's hold on to fast to orthodox Christian doctrine and be alert to the enemy's deception. God sustains us and others also when we pray. I encourage you, my brothers and sisters, continue to connect with God. Continue to communicate with your maker. That's all it is, prayer, is communication. Share your thoughts, your innermost feelings, your frustrations. Tell God everything. Tell God even your complaints. Share everything in your heart. You know, a lot of the Psalms are called Psalms of lament. And lament means complain. Complaint. The psalmist is complaining to God. You know what? God can handle our negativity. God can handle all of the negativity that's in our hearts and our complaints. So don't be afraid to complain before God. God just wants us to be authentic and real with him. It's not about how articulate our prayers are, how long they are, or how wonderful they sound. It's about the heart. God wants your heart. He wants my heart. He just wants us to be real with him and just tell him exactly how we feel. And you know what happens then? God responds to our prayers. And he sustains us. Whatever we're going through, whatever we're facing, God responds in some way to sustain us. I once heard this, that you know, if you want to see how famous a preacher is in a church, then you just have to look at how many people turn up. And I suppose if uh, an international preacher was invited to a church, you know, uh, the, the chairs would soon run out and more chairs would be taken out and then people would be standing outside maybe trying to listen or there might be cues before the service. And this thing that I heard was this, that, but if you want to see how famous Jesus is in a church, then go and have a look at how many people turn up in a prayer meeting. I want to praise God that Jesus is famous in this church because the church prayer meetings are being packed out by God and even you guys, when you go home, you pray and you believe. I want to encourage you to continue to do that. Sadly, there's one church I attended in the past. It's, it's not in London. 
And uh, I heard, you know, there was no prayer really going on in that church. So I went to the vicar and, you know, said, look, there's no prayer going on. Would you mind if we, we, would you mind if I start a prayer meeting here or somebody starts a prayer meeting? And she said, oh, no, no, we couldn't possibly have that. And I said, why not? She said, well, it would make me look bad because I wouldn't be able to come. I'm too busy. Besides, we're not monks that we should pray. We don't get paid to pray. I scratched my head. I mean, it's very sad, but that is the state of some churches now. I doubt whether she even knew the Lord. It's very sad. Can I tell you about my grey coat? Don't. Can you, I'm going to ask my wife to bring my grey coat up. Don't. Can you bring my grey coat and just show my grey coat to everyone? Don't worry. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not auctioning it. I'm not selling this grey coat. It, I mean, it's, it's an old grey coat. Um, it belonged to my brother. He's with the Lord now. Um, and, you know, it's not really worth anything. I mean, it's over 30 years old. And uh, if I took it to a charity shop, they probably wouldn't even take it in the charity shop because, you know, it's got some holes in it. And you yeah, don't show too many holes. You can put it down. You can take it back now. So it's got, I mean, the lining's all torn and everything else. But you know what? That coat's special to me because it reminds me of my brother and it reminds me of the grace God showed to my brother when a friend of mine and, and myself, we prayed for him. It just reminds me of how wonderful God is. Because you see, 30 years ago, my brother wasn't a Christian and, and um, I came to the Lord first in the family. Um, and I remember a time when I met with my friend and it was almost like a news flash. It was like a, I had this picture in my mind that my brother was wearing that coat and in the middle of the night, he got up onto a footbridge and over the Grand Union Canal in West London, he jumped in to the canal and he tried to kill himself. And that's, that's the picture I, have, I had 30-odd years ago. And I couldn't quite understand why I had that. Um, you know, I, I, I couldn't understand if it was... I didn't know if it was real or not. And I said to my friend, look, I just saw this thing and I'm... I don't know if it's from the Lord or why don't we just pray. So we just prayed. And you know what? It wasn't an articulate prayer. I was going through things myself. I wasn't perfect. I'm still not perfect. But, you know, we, we, we strive to, to get closer and closer to Jesus and he changes us. But 30 years ago, I was a different man. I had many struggles. I had many problems. Yet when I prayed and I just simply cried out, Lord, help, help. That's what I could pray. Help, just, just help him if, if, if he's in trouble. That's all I prayed. And then the next day, um, we, uh, we, we, my friend went home and, and everything. He stayed overnight with us. And, and uh, the next day, I, I um, drove 12 miles from where I was living to my father's house because my brother was living there and, and as soon as he opened the door my dad looked at me and he he's, it's almost like he'd seen a ghost he thought I said are you okay he said yeah I feel very shaken he wasn't a Christian at the time and he said your brother's been out all night I don't know where he's been and he told he showed me the the gray coat and he said feel that and I said what's going on he said it's completely soaked it's wet and he didn't know why it was wet. And, and I said, I, I think I might know why. So I went to the back of the house and I went to my brother's room and I said to him, look, 
what happened last night? And, and he just wouldn't tell me. He said, go away. I said, what happened? Go away. None of your business. And I said, well, do you know what? This is what I saw. And then he said, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Um, he said that, you know, I had enough of life. Uh, you know, I heard these voices and I just wanted to kill myself. And I said, well, you're still here. What happened? You, you, you weren't very successful, were you? And he said, no. Um, he said, I, I, I got onto the, the, the bridge, jumped into the Grand Union Canal, and something was like a platform came up and just pushed me to one side. And he said, oh, it was so, so, so tiring. So I get on the bridge again, and I jumped again. He said, I tried it three times, and I was so tired, I came home. <laughs> and uh, God sustains us and others through our prayers. And you know what? Whatever someone goes through, you know, we can... Pray for them, and, and, God, and God can intervene. He really can. God sustains us, church. You know, I feel that the, the Spirit wants to do something this morning. I can't preach any further. I, I, I want to, to finish this, but I just feel that the Spirit wants to do something this morning, so... You know what we're going to do? We're just going to cry out to the Lord for more of his presence. More of his presence. He's the one who sustains us. So why don't you stand where you are? Why don't you stand? Why don't you stand? He prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. He anoints our head with oil. Our cup overflows. Lord, more of your spirit for us this morning. More of your Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. Come and fill us until our cup overflows. More of you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Even if you're not feeling the presence of God right now, that's fine. We don't live by our feelings. We live by faith. Just ask God for more hunger, more thirst, for more of God this morning. And he'll meet you, even if it's in your innermost being this morning. Come, Holy Spirit. We pray for more of you. And ask the band to come up now. And we're just going to keep pressing in, pressing in, pressing in, pressing in. The Lord's in this place. His presence is here. More of you, Good Shepherd. More of you. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. Thank you, Lord.